my dear respected and most honourable elders, beloved brothers and sisters in Islam, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. First of all, we begin by thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by glorifying and praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for enabling us with this unique opportunity to congregate in His hands, to worship Him, to glorify Him, to send salutations upon His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we pray that Allah Azza wa Jal will continue to facilitate such opportunities for us in the future. Last week I was watching this documentary and it marked 25 years since uh, the murder of that young child that shook the nation at the time in 1993, James Bulger in Liverpool. And it was a toddler, a two-year-old child, who was murdered by two young boys who were only ten years old at the time, uh, Robert Thompson and, and John Venables. There was such a, a furor at the time. People were angry, people were upset. How could such a vicious, violent act, barbaric act be committed by two ten-year-old children and people began discussing uh, criminal culpability. At what age is a child culpable? At what age does a child know from right and wrong? And it got me thinking that as time goes on, we're, we're witnessing a, a change in dynamic. We're witnessing children becoming more and more inclined towards criminality. We're witnessing children become more and more disobedient towards their elders and their parents. And it's something, it's an issue that certainly needs to be addressed. There are more people today, there are more children today in juvenile facilities than there were 20 years ago. There are more children committing crimes today than there were 20 years ago. And ultimately, the responsibility falls on parents to raise their children in a manner that is befitting our noble tradition. Parents hold an enormous leverage in terms of what they teach their children and accordingly how their children grow up as adults. And it's something that we need to understand and appreciate. Islam therefore holds parents responsible for steering their children's upbringing according to the guidelines set by Islam and according to the character exhibited by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala warns us in the Quran, your children, your families, your responsibility. Your responsibilities. Don't think for one moment that each to their own, I'm going to worry about myself, however my children grow up to be, that they're a product of their environment and I have nothing to do with it. No, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states in the Quran, Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu, 
Ku anfusakum wa ahlikum nara. O you who believe, ward off yourselves and your families, i.e. save yourselves and your families against a fire. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell us about that fire? وَقُودُحَ النَّاسُ وَالْحِجَارَةُ عَلَيْهَا مَلَائِكَةٌ غِلَاذٌ شِدَادٌ لَا يَعْسُونَ اللَّهَ مَا أَمَرَهُمْ وَيَفْعَلُونَ مَا يُؤْمَرُونَ The fuel of this fire are men and stones over which are appointed angels who are stern, who are severe. They do not disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in what He commands them, but they do whatever they are commanded to do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explicitly informs us in this verse of the Qur'an that you protect yourselves and your families from the fire. That's your responsibility. That's your duty. That's your job. And you're going to be questioned about it. On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question me. What were you doing? When your young child was committing these offences, what were you doing? When your young child was out on the streets late at night, getting up to no good, how did you try to bring about change? And if you do not have a satisfactory answer, then no doubt you're going to be culpable. Children have rights, just like parents do. You know, often I hear, Parents come to me and they complain, our children are not fulfilling our rights. Our children are not uh, treating us in the way they should treat us. They don't respect us the way they should. And that's a concern. It's a concern that needs to be addressed. But ultimately, you need to go and look at the upbringing of that child. More often than not, you'll find that those children who are disobedient, those children who commit, grow up to commit evil and atrocious acts, those children who become criminals, do not have the best of upbringings. More often than not, nine times out of ten, the children who grow up to be disobedient towards their parents didn't have a good childhood. Their parents didn't raise them in the right way. The Prophet ﷺ told us in a hadith reported by Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhuma. He says, قَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ كُلُّكُمْ رَاعٍ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ أَنْ نَعِيَّتِهِ Each and every one of you is a shepherd and each and every one of you is responsible for his flock. فَالْأَمِيرُ رَاعٍ وَهُوَ مَسْؤُولٌ The Amir, the leader, he is a shepherd and he is responsible. And a man is responsible for his family. And a woman, she is the shepherd of her house and she is also responsible. And certainly, each and every one of you is a shepherd and you're all responsible for your flock. For your flock. 
The Prophet ﷺ explicitly informs us in this hadith, we all have a duty. We have a duty to protect each other. You see, if right now a fire broke out in the masjid and we had to escape, we had to use the nearest fire exits to get out, what are we going to do? Are we going to just think about ourselves? Push everyone out of the way? Climb over everybody else? Throw everybody else into the fire just so that we can get out? Just so that we can save ourselves? No. Our responsibility is not only to ourselves, but our loved ones. And our loved ones begin with our children, then our Muslim brothers and sisters, our family members, our relatives. So it's our duty that not only do we save ourselves, we save our families as well. We save our Muslim brothers and sisters as well. That's a duty, and that's something that we're going to be questioned about. So it's extremely important when raising children up in accordance with the, Quran, the teachings of the Quran, the Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, that we all understand this magnificent responsibility that we have. We have a responsibility to mold a human being. That's a massive undertaking. And it's something that we don't all appreciate. And more often than not, we're put in a position where we're not entirely worthy of that station. I have some, some, some tips, again taken from the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet right? When it comes to our children, how can we ensure that our children don't grow up to be those children who are neglected in their childhood? and then go on to become uh, abhorrent human beings. It's our job and our duty to ensure that that doesn't happen. The first thing that we must start with, the first thing that we must do, is again the Prophet ﷺ who has told us, it's our responsibility or the responsibility of the parents to provide the child with a good name that is in accordance with Islamic traditions. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised when I tell you how many children I've come across with completely un-Islamic names. Muslim students with names that are completely un-Islamic. I've heard Muslim, I know Muslim children who are named after Hindu gods. It's unbelievable. The first thing that a parent can do is to have that initial start. Grant your child a good name. The Prophet ﷺ said, the best a man can give his child is a good name and good manners. Start off by giving your child a good name. This, is a, this was extremely important to the Prophet ﷺ. There were certain companions among the Prophet ﷺ whose name the Prophet ﷺ changed because those names, they were not worthy of the character of that individual. There were certain children whose names were 
harb, war. And the Prophet changed them to something more sensitive, to something more befitting our noble, peaceful tradition. So that's the first thing that we can do. Take your time. Do your research when you give your child a name. Know what name you're giving to your child. Know what it means. The smallest of things. Know how to spell that name. So that the child doesn't grow up confused. When the name is spelled wrong. And has no idea what it means. You know the simplest of things. So many students. Who I've come across. So many young children I've come across. Who pronounce their wrongs. Their names completely wrong. A small example would be the name Yusuf. The name is Yusuf, not Yusuf, not Yosef. Yusuf. Simple things like that that we're getting wrong. Do your research. Research. Ensure that the name that you're giving is a good name. It has a good meaning, and spell it right. If we start doing the simple things properly, then other more major things will be made easier for us, insha'Allah ta'ala. So that's the first thing, giving your child a good name, ensuring that it's spelled correctly. That's your responsibility. The child, when the child is born, can't say, no, 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 that's not going to be my name. That's not how it's supposed to be spelled. It's supposed to be spelled like this. No, that's your responsibility. The second is the importance of unconditional love. It goes a long, long way. I started off by talking to you about the, the documentary and the story and everybody here knows, those of you who were, who, were, who were mature at the time, the story of James Bulger in 1993 and the killing of James Bulger by those two children in Liverpool, John Venables and Robert Thompson. They were 10 years old. But when you looked into the history of, and, and what a short history it was of only 10 years, you saw they came from broken families. One of them was t absolutely terrified of his father, terrified. And some state that it was that that caused the death of James Bulger because he didn't know what to do. He ultimately had to kill the child in order to go home and you know, not let his father know what he had done. That relationship of, of tarbiyah is extremely important in Islam. And it is founded on unconditional love. You have to ensure that you love your children. Because that love, it provides that spiritual growth for them. That love is something that they aim for. The love is something that children work for. Children feed off that love that you give to them or you grant to them. Just as a, as a baby bird, you know a baby bird, before it has its wings and it can fly, it depends upon its mother. It depends upon its mother to provide it with food, to go around and, and get those worms, fly down and bring it back into the nest and put them into the mouth of the child. Right? So you are preparing your children so that they can one day fly also. The Prophet ﷺ, he always expressed his love towards the young. 
He always expressed his love towards his children. The Prophet ﷺ would often express his love for his daughters. We have many ahadith with the Prophet's daughters, especially Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. She would come and the Prophet ﷺ, even if he was sitting down in a gathering of people, would stand up to greet his daughter. And then he would make a place for her to sit down. And once she sat down, then the Prophet ﷺ would sit down. This is the Prophet of Islam. This is the greatest of Allah's creation. And he's honoring and respecting his daughter. And what about his grandsons, Al-Hasan and Hussein? Sayyida Shababi Ahlul Jannah, the two leaders of the youth of Jannah. Whenever the Prophet ﷺ would see them, a smile would come upon his face. And he would grab them. He would hold them, he would embrace them, he would hug them, he would kiss them. There's a hadith in, in, in Al-Bukhari where it's narrated on the authority of Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala an, that there was a man, his name was Al-Aqra ibn Habis. And he was one of these, and I've mentioned this many times before, he was one of these macho companions, you know, strong, a man's man. And he saw the Prophet sallallahu once embracing Al-Hasan and Hussein and kissing both of his, his grandsons. One would come forward and he would kiss them. Then the other one would come forward and the Prophet sallallahu would kiss him. And Akra ibn Habis was watching this and he smiled and he said, Oh Messenger of Allah sallallahu I have ten children and I have never kissed a single one of them. And the Prophet sallallahu didn't praise him for the action. Instead, he reprimanded him. He said, Man la yarham la yurham. He who does not show mercy will not be shown any mercy. I.e. by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on Yom Al-Qiyamah. So parents have this obligation to show the unconditional love and mercy to their children because that's what their children are going to learn from. That's how they're going to become loving and merciful also. If you're shouting, screaming all the time, if you're abusing physically and verbally your children all the time, then a child is a product of his or her environment. The third thing that we can do is give the children importance, affirming their feelings and their experiences. Children are children. They haven't experienced much, but they're sensitive beings. So ensure that you approach their upbringing with utmost sensitivity. When a child talks, listen. Don't brush it away. Listen to what they have to say. Affirming their feelings is not getting them whatever they want and letting them do whatever they want. No. Affirming their feelings is talking to them, is responding to them, interacting with them, engaging with them. That's your duty, that's your responsibility. The Prophet ﷺ would never deny, belittle or ignore a child's feelings. There are some absolutely amazing, inspiring examples from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. The younger brother of Anas, Anas ibn Malik ta'ala, and his name was Abu Umais. And newly weaned as a toddler, he used to love playing with this pet bird and it was called a nugair it's a type of a nightingale it's a type of nightingale 
One day the Prophet ﷺ came across Abu Umair. And he's a toddler at the time, couple of years old. And Abu Umair is upset. Abu Umair is crying. Abu Umair is sad, he's depressed. The Prophet didn't think, oh, it's a child, he must be upset. The Prophet found out what's wrong with Abu Umair. Why is he so upset? And the Prophet was informed that his pet bird, his Nughair, had passed away. It had died. And the Prophet didn't say, oh, it's okay, no problem. We'll get you another one. He didn't belittle or ignore the child's feeling. The Prophet ﷺ went up to Abu Umair and said, Ya Abu Umair, O oh Abu Umair, ma fa'ala al-Nughair? What has the Nughair done? Are you saying, O oh Abu Umair, what has the Nughair done? Why has the Nughair left us? Affirming the child's feelings, trying to show and exhibit love to that child. And this is something that we need to do more often. Another example is, 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 is something that if we were to ponder and reflect that the greatest of, of mankind, the Prophet wasallam, how he would honor and respect children, it's unbelievable. Very quickly, there was once the Prophet wasallam, was sitting down and people were sitting towards his right and his left. And a man came and he gave the Prophet wasallam, some milk to drink. And the Prophet wasallam, as was customary, he would, he would take a sip and then he would pass it on to somebody else. And he would always pass it over to, to the person who was sitting on his right and then it would go around again until the bowl came back to him. This time the Prophet wasallam, looked towards his right and there was a young child, a young boy who was sitting on his right side. He looked towards his left and he saw the ashiyakh the ahadith mentioned the older gentlemen, the older companions who were sitting on his left hand side. The Prophet turned to the child with the bowl and said, This is your right. This is your haq. But I am seeking permission from you to take this bowl of milk and give it to the elders who are sitting on my on my left. But it's up to you because this is your right. You're sitting on the right-hand side. And the child, he gave a, an appropriate response. <laughs> the Prophet wasallam he turned and he said to the Prophet wasallam that I'm not going to give my, my, I'm not going to give up my share of blessings to anyone, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu and the Prophet ﷺ then gave it to him and said, Here you go, this is your right. And he drank from it and then he went and gave it to the elders. Look at the Prophet ﷺ affirming the feelings of the child, not willing to hurt the feelings of the child. The Prophet ﷺ did that throughout his entire life. And I'm trying to get through some of these very quickly now. The fifth thing or the fourth thing that we're on right now is to spend on them and spend on them and, and, and don't be stingy. Spend on your child's education. The Prophet ﷺ commanded to give sadaqah. And a man came to the Prophet ﷺ and said, Oh Messenger of Allah, I have a dinar. I have one dinar. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Spend it on yourself. He came back and he said, Oh Messenger of Allah, I have another dinar. The Prophet ﷺ said, Spend it on your children. 
He said again, O Messenger of Allah, I have another dinar. And the Prophet said, spend it on your wife. He said again, I have another dinar, a fourth dinar. The Prophet said, spend it on your servant. He finally said that I have another dinar, this is the fifth dinar. And the Prophet said, you know what to do best. I do with it what you, what you will. So the obligation was towards his family. Those who are under his care, spend it on them. They're your duty. That's your obligation. Spend on their Islamic education, just as you would spend on their secular education. If you're paying 25 pound an hour for their maths and their science and their English tuition, and you're paying considerably less, that much a month, 50p an hour on their Islamic education, that ensure that you give, you give it this, the same priority. You know when you're spending 25 pounds on their secular education, do you know what you're doing? You're getting there 10 minutes beforehand. You're taking your child 10 minutes early thinking, well, you know, I'm paying 25 pounds for this. The child is going inside. And you're happy if the child goes 10 minutes early, you get those extra 10 minutes. And at the end, after the hour is finished, you're willing to wait outside an extra 10-15 minutes. Because you think again to yourself, that I pay 25 pounds, if a couple of more minutes are stretched out of it, then that's good for me. At the end of it, when your child comes home, you ask your child 101 questions. You say, what have you learned today? Tell me what you've done. Let's go through the work. Why? Because you paid a considerable amount of money for it. You give it that priority. Do the same thing. That's all I'm asking. Prioritize the child's Islamic education in exactly the same way. Often, ask your children, what are you learning in the mosque? What are you learning in the madrasa? Sit down, listen to their recitation. Reward them. Just as you would reward them if they got good marks in school. That's how a child's love for the Qur'an will develop. A child's love for Islamic education will develop. That's again your responsibility. The fifth thing that we need to ensure is to we, we have to treat all of our children fairly. There are many hadith. The Prophet sallallahu there's a, uh, one of the companions of the Prophet and Nu'man ibn Bashir, he delivered a khutbah and he said, and the Messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala once stated, treat your children fairly, treat your children fairly. Make sure your children are treated fairly. Parents should never show undue preference of one child over another. Shouldn't have a favorite who they treat better than, other, than another. Why? Because feelings of resentment will grow in the hearts of the other children. Sons and daughters should be treated equally. If you're going to spend on your son's education, spend the same amount on your daughter's education. If you're going to show love and affection to your son, then ensure that you show an equal amount of affection towards his other siblings. 
The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There are so many, so many examples of how the Prophet would would tell us, and he informed the companions, be uh, uh, treat your children fairly. The, uh, a man came to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and and he stated, he said, Ya Rasulullah, I've given a gift to my son, so bear witness. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, Do you have any other children? And he said, Yes. And the Prophet asked him, Have you given them something like that which you've given to your son? I.e. have you given them a gift of the same value, of the equivalent value also? And he said, no. And the Prophet wasallam said, Ashhadu ala jaw. That should, I, should I bear witness to unfairness? How can I bear witness to something that is unfair? I give your other children the same gift or the equivalent gift that you've given to your son. This is the example set forth by the Prophet ﷺ. Never treat your daughters unfairly or regard them as inferior. The Prophet ﷺ said, He who raises two daughters and marries them off into noble families, me and him will be like this on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. That's the close proximity with the Prophet ﷺ those daughters will have. There is no man whose two daughters reach the age of maturity and he treats them kindly for the time that they are together, but they will gain him admittance into Jannah. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said about his daughters, about daughters in general. So ensure that you give the same priority to them. Your children deserve the right to a proper education, to a proper upbringing. The Prophet ﷺ told us, that the best gift from a father to his child is education and upbringing. The best thing that you can do in ter- is discipline your children. And again, discipline them in the correct manner. The Prophet ﷺ stated that a man should discipline his son. And it is better for him than giving a sa'a in charity to discipline your child. When a man dies, the Prophet ﷺ, in anhu illa tharath, everything is cut off from him. Except three things. All his amal are cut off from him except for three things. Sadaqatin jariyah, a continuous charity. Oh, ilminyun tafa'bihi. Oh, a knowledge which people are continuing to benefit from. Oh, wawaladin salih yad'ula. Oh, a pious child that raises his hands and makes dua for the parents. That's what's going to happen if you give them the right upbringing. Then you'll have those children who are going to raise their hands and make dua for you. This is something that we need to, uh, we need to understand. I'll leave you with this. Most importantly, your, you control what your child is. Your child is a product of its environment. You control what your child sees, what your child hears, what your child watches. You control that. Right now, you control it. When the child reaches the teenage years and gets older and becomes a young adult, suddenly you're not in control anymore. So right now, when you are in control, you have to ensure that you exhibit the best of characteristics. If you swear often, then more often than not, your children are going to swear also. If you use abusive language, your children will use abusive language because they're going to copy you. They're going to mimic you. My, my dear sisters, if you watch Indian dramas all the time and you watch uh, you know, shows on television that aren't appropriate for your children, then more often than not, children will grow up watching the same television shows and being inspired by them or being inspired by the immoral message within them. And this is, this is something that we must understand that our children are a product of their environment. So create that environment 
right? Which is safe for your children. That is in accordance with the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Uh, I sincerely pray that Allah subhanahu wa taala grant me a new tawfiq and the ability to act upon the teachings of the Quran and the blessed Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Wa akhir da'wana. Alhamdulillahirobbilalamin.